Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. Now your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. I'm John Alois and joined by Sean Degenhart. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, so festive. And John Redling Schaefer. Whatever. <laughs> No, it's okay. bah humbug. Oh. That's your line. No, I've I've heard that I'm not. Anyway, we'll just move on. <laughs> You're not what? Hmm? You're very festive. Am I? I thought so. Well, we hope you're festive. Whatever platform you're following us on, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Please leave us a review so more people find the show. You can share it on social media and tag us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Hub Hyperion. A good review. A good review. Yes, we appreciate that. Eh, be honest. Email us, podcast at thehyperionhub.com. We like to start things off with our Disney views, and I am thrilled we finally got to see a trailer. Sean, do you want to tell us what we saw this past week? Horse trailer? A couple of Christmas concerts, and <laughs> what, what did you see? I saw a very special trailer that I've been waiting to see for a long time, and it marks the return of Harrison Ford and the Fedora, Indiana Jones, and the Dial of Destiny. And from the start, we hear Sala's voice, and we see de-aged Harrison Ford. I thought it looked tremendous mm -hmm. i don't know what the story is about but it looks fun i'm excited phoebe waller bridge uh has a big role in this film i guess indy's goddaughter so they're going on an adventure together john reese davies uh playing sala is returning so it has the nostalgia factor to Definitely. it and it looks tremendous a swell of john williams music we get to see indy riding a horse uh, through the downtown streets, I think, of New York City. And or then at in least the subway. Stunt devil. And then in the subway. <laughs> that's Indy. Indiana Jones. Not Illinois Jones. Not to be confused with Illinois Jones. No one can confuse no. those two. <laughs> <laughs> um, directed by James Mangold, who uh, took over the directing role from Steven Spielberg, of course. He has quite the resume under his belt Ford versus Ferrari, Logan. A lot of good uh, films that I've loved, and I will uh, probably watch everything he's ever directed leading up to this film, because there's a lot of weight on this film coming off of the last one, in my opinion. John, you're not a Star Wars fan. What? But you are a Lucasfilm fan, right? To a degree, yes. Okay, so it does have strong Lucasfilm ties with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg creating this character back in 1981 with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Are you an indie fan? I am, and and I'll say this: that throughout the various storylines, I'm I'm a student and a fan of history, and you dabble in certain facets of, you know, n you know, fighting the Nazis with what is that three, two or three? One and three. One, One and three. three. That's right. Um, but I've I've seen three countless times. But the point is, I love, and and I'm not bashing Star Wars. I want to make sure it's clear. But I am a fan of Indiana Jones, hands down. Sean? Talks in our sleep. <laughs> Junior! <laughs> I can't wait. It's, it looks fantastic. Hearing that theme song come Every back time I hear the and... word penitent, the penitent man, <laughs> on his knees! <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Jehovah starts with an I. Jehovah starts with an I. There you go. That's good. I knew it was one of them. It came out this week, and uh, folks who were at D23 got to see it long before we did. Um, We should be probably getting a second trailer by spring, maybe the Ant-Man film. We'll see. Looking forward to it. All right, it's our Christmas show, and so this week we thought we'd go around the table and we each have a topic to talk about. Let's start with Sean, because mine is, is the history is? of the of the first Christmas, and We're not, end not the John. first ever Christmas. <laughs> I was say. The, first, the first Christmas. Walt wasn't there. <laughs> well, in, in some people's minds, I think, yeah, I think he was. Yeah. Sean, let's start off with you. Okay, let us go back to... December 11th, 1992. Hmm. I was a senior in high school. I was a freshman in college. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Sorry. You, you, were you born? I was 13. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, do you hear that judgmental mm-hmm. from Alois? Mm-hmm. Yep, I heard it. <laughs> okay, moving on. It was two years after the death of Jim Henson when um, the Muppets partnered with Walt Disney Pictures to release A Muppet Christmas Carol that in our house is a classic. And I think as of this recording on December 5th, we have watched it probably four or five times already this season. Whoa, all right. Claire and Eliza's objective is to have the whole film memorized by the end of the Christmas season. And they're probably halfway there by now. It is a staple. I love this film. So much nuance, even 30 years later. Still see things we've never seen before. Um, of course, it was directed and produced by Brian Henson, and you know it was uh, done in memory of his father. Screenplay by Jerry Jewell, Michael Caine, and then the full cast of Muppets. Uh, it's just a brilliant film. Um, casting Gonzo as Charles Dickens and Rizzo as sort of a Greek chorus response you know to help with the narration so many great one-liners it was not really popular when it first came out it came out against aladdin same time um so they were battling each other um some of the critics were kind of interesting um said could have done with a few more songs um one wow, called I think it, it's full of songs. it is yeah uh, Chicago Tribune reviewed it as a talky plotting film that seems likely to bore children and adults in equal measure I, so this is how it was originally you know, received, but in the last 30 years, it has just grown in its pop culture status and wonderful score. Miles um, Goodman and then Paul Williams, classic mm-hmm. Muppet songwriter, wrote that wonderful um, song score. It's just one of our favorites. Yeah, my favorite song coming out of it was uh, the, uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present. Yes, and it was so well done. I hadn't seen it in theaters. I think I saw it probably a couple of years later. I think I bought it before I ever watched it on videotape, and I was blown away. I couldn't believe how catchy the music was. Uh, all You're right. Every time you watch it, you find something new. There's so much happening all around the main characters, and if you... If you just stare at the at the background, you'll find a different film almost. Uh, it's it's really well done, and so much fun. And yes, a staple for us as well. And even after the song, um, you know, after all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. Yeah. And there's that little shooting star, and you hear Kermit yes. go. Hmm. <laughs> just little moments like that are brilliant. And you know, light the lamp, not the rat. Light the lamp, <laughs> not the rat. I mean, we're quoting it all year long. Yeah, I think that scene where he 
where the shooting star goes by, he's standing right mm-hmm. in the in the foreground. That's after yeah. the traditional skating party with the penguins. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the soundtrack has actually several songs they recorded for the film, but were never oh. filmed. Um, Beaker and Dr. Bunsen Honeydew do a song called There's Room in Your Heart, and there's a little dance hmm. break that Beaker does. And then there's another one that um, Sam the Eagle sings when Scrooge is a student at that school, and this is Christmas past, and you, you're chairman of the board, you know, you're bound to be, you know, this is you know your destiny. And I think by that point... It wasn't that I was too old. It was the fact that I didn't think they were making great movies up until that point. Uh, since the the original Muppet movie, and I liked a few of them, uh, the Great Muppet Caper and Muppets Take Manhattan. But then we we had a we had a few clunkers in there, and we get to this film, and they go back to their roots with wonderful music, and it stood out immediately for me. Any Muppet collaboration, but especially this one. You know, I, I credit Brian, you know, in honoring his father, but I always feel like, I don't have any proof of it, but I always feel like that, you know, Jim must have conveyed to Brian that w- we need our children, let's say it, the Muppets, to be taken care of by an entity that knows how to take care of our family. And again, I don't know the formalities behind it or any of that, but collaborating with Disney, leading it ultimately to the relationship and ownership now. I just, I've talked about this with friends and family for years that I always think Jim was looking out. He knew he was sick and he wanted Disney to take care of his family. And I, and I think, you know, that's always what I, that's the warm and fuzzy feeling I get from that, that it's okay, Jim, your, your kids are taken care of. It was the last movie I saw at the Valley Forge Theater here in Washington, check Illinois. Local, check local listings. That was the uh, 99 Cent Theater. Oh, wow. Um, and what it, else new did you movies? watch there, huh? And the, yeah, 99 Cent movies. Wow. And we uh, eventually closed, I think, later that spring. But, so December 11th, <laughs> will you will see the fully restored film with When Love Is Gone finally restored on Disney+. Plus. That's the 30th anniversary, December 11th. So you'll be able to see the film as it was originally intended. Yes, and I remember that song from the videotape, right? It's on the VHS copy yeah, we okay. have. Right, right. And it's on the soundtrack, but right. then lost for yeah. 30 years. It made headlines at the D23. There are a lot yeah. of Muppets fans. They who had were found the original negatives finally and worked to restore it over this past year. Mm-hmm. I thought we'd take a look at Disneyland's first Christmas. The holiday season's come a long way since that first year in 1955. It was rather sparse compared to today. Now you can find the castle turrets decked out with snow and ice decorations. The castle itself is lit up in a cool blue. The holidays spill out onto Harbor Boulevard and all throughout the resort. The hotels and both parks are decorated. Carsland and Buena Vista Street seem to be the biggest attractions to see uh, decorations at Disney California Adventure. Downtown Disney, gorgeous. I got to see it last year. And as you would expect, Disneyland is decked out from the front of the park to the back. And many attractions have holiday overlays as well. That first year, you would find a couple of wreaths and some garland down Main Street, USA, and the castle. The banners in the front of the drawbridge were uh, changed to darker tones. Frontierland had some green garland hanging from the entrance sign. The big tree was in the hub. (laughs) Yes, they just tossed it up there. The big tree was uh, in the hub and not town square 
as it is today, but that was it. You wouldn't see anything else. It was a new concept. The crowds just weren't coming like they were in July and early August. When kids went back to school after summer break, Wald had to look for ways to draw people back to the parks so he knew Christmas time could be a draw, and not just by adding some decorations. There was entertainment. There wasn't a hard ticket party like you'd see today. There was live music at a bandstand near Carnation Garden where various choirs sang Christmas carols twice daily on weekends. It was called the Christmas Bowl, by the way. There was a Christmas time parade, but it was created primarily to showcase Walt's new endeavor in the park and the newest attraction, the Mickey Mouse Club Circus. Yeah, the circus if you don't know, was in Fantasyland. It lasted for six weeks and it never returned. The Christmas Circus featured the normal animal and high wire acts, but added a Christmas show from the Mouseketeers, Santa, and a 40-foot-high white fabric tree. As for the parade, it began on Thanksgiving on November 24th and ran through the holiday. It was led by Walt Disney and Fess Parker as Davy Crockett, and also featured high school marching bands and various traditional elements such as wise men and live animals, including camels, a llama, and an ostrich. And there were elephants and other animals featured in the circus as well. The parade would continue. The next large holiday parade debuted in 1958 called the Parade of Many Lands. And then many traditions have taken place over the years. But the one I wish they still had around Today, it lasted from about 1961, as far as research can show, till 1978. They used to put a giant star on the top of the Matterhorn. Yeah, no other ornaments or anything like that, but everyone in Anaheim would see that star on the top of the Matterhorn, and it was a Christmas tradition for Southern California folks to see that. But uh, yeah, that first that first Christmas, Walt was looking to bring people into the park, and he did came up with this circus. So even four or five months after the park opened, this was the first Christmas at Disneyland? Yeah, 1955. Yep. Um, Crowds dwindled in September and and October. And so that's why they came up with the idea. So start rummaging for some garland and tinsel and start throwing it on signs. (laughs) We got to get them back, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And of course you would expect his his brother didn't want to spend a lot of money. And the person who was uh, in charge of uh, some of the budget, if not all the budget at Disneyland, um, C.V. Wood didn't want Walt to spend anything on this circus. He thought it would be a bad idea, and it ended up not being successful. It did bring some early crowds out, though. And it actually, those weekends, there's some pictures of people at the bandstand, large crowds. And then, of course, that would eventually become the candlelight processional on Main Street USA, and now it's held in Town Square. So all started back in 1955 for Walt. I need to add an ostrich to our nativity set (laughs) at the house. Live one? Yeah. Cool. Camels, llamas, ostrich. Can I have the ostrich egg omelet? (laughs) Sure. Sweet. Split it with you. (laughs) Yeah. Funny for all, yeah. All right. Well, it's interesting that you compare the very first Christmas to the fact that, you know, you go to any resort, like you said, you know, whatever the park, whatever country you're in, the Disney company has just made Christmas time an event. People are now making it a destination for their holidays. And and the one thing I didn't fully appreciate until my kids were a little bit older and we could take our time through the World Showcase at Epcot 
was that throughout the holiday season, the World Showcase actually has shows at multiple pavilions related to the legends and the lore of the holiday season. Now, you don't have to hit them all, but between the costuming and the thought, shocking, I know, the details, flashback to a prior episode, right? They really do their homework. And, for example, you stop, if you go the wrong way, into the World Showcase, you start with the Mexico (laughs) Pavilion, where you actually celebrate Las Posadas. Now, that is Spanish for the word the inns, as in I-N-N-S. That's a religious festival celebrated in Mexico and some parts of the United States around the holidays, and it commemorates the journey that Joseph and Mary made from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Oh, I don't know, to an inn, per se, right? Um, And the idea is that you have dancers, piñatas, the music of the mariachi cobre. It it is quite a 25-minute full show Hmm. that you can stand and watch. You move around to Norway. You, you learn a little bit about a short creature with a long white beard and a red hat. Think the Travelocity gnome, if you watch Amazing Race. Um, this, this actually is a, is a tradition that goes beyond and is much older than Santa Claus. Um, from my research, it indicates that Norwegians celebrated Christmas or something like that called Yule, J-U-L, long before Christ. And so you're actually seeing in some of these performances a tradition that's kind of outside of that traditional Christmas flair. For example, when you get to Japan, you learn about the Daruma, which is this little doll that doesn't have any eyeballs. <laughs> and there is a, a correlation to good luck where you fill in one eye and then when you're having a prosperous year, a new business per se, we'll have this little roly-poly doll sitting in it and you fill in the other eye, wishing you a good year. And and of course, there are obviously the more traditional ones. You have La Bifana in the uh, Italy Pavilion, mm-hmm. where you have the witch who brings good children treats on the morning of Epiphany. Now think about it, in the Roman Catholic tradition, you'd be focusing on Epiphany. And, and so she's been flying around the world on her broomstick. And if you don't do things well, you end up with what? Coal, right? So it's funny to watch the correlations and the parallels. And I tell you, my kids really appreciated uh, Père Noël mm-hmm. in France. I mean... Beautiful costumes, you know, comes out and speaks French with, you know, the quick English translation and Father Christmas, of course, in the UK, right? And there's even a Hanukkah storyteller between Morocco and France, Hmm. you know, to be, you know, uh, well-rounded. And I guess if you want to see jolly old St. Nick himself, you can do so at various points, not only in Disney Springs, but I believe you can over, what is it, the Odyssey Pavilion there in Epcot as well. So take the time. And, and go and, you know, when you had young kids, let's go. You know, there's not. And sometimes I felt the same way. I, I was pretty tired. Um, but as the kids get older, even if you just see one or two uh, here or there, uh, appreciate the work that those characters are doing when they perform for you because they really are. Their performance is beautiful costuming. Um, you know, usually and, and hopefully uh, we have the – the native speakers come back um, as well because this has kind of been discontinued for a couple of years. But I, I loved it um, the one time we got to take our time and just listen. And then you don't get to do that much at a Disney park. Yeah, we did this 19 years ago on our honeymoon. We walked around the World Showcase and wonderful storytelling. And they involved the audience as well. I didn't think they were too long. Maybe with kids, uh, your, your attention's diverted. But we didn't have any children at the time. So it was a great time to just kind of take in the moment. And one of the reasons why I love Epcot so much you get to get a small feel for those countries. And if you can incorporate 
holiday traditions into that, then I think you're really starting to understand the makeup of the people of those places. I'm hearing Olaf going around to each country saying, what's your tradition? <laughs> Give it time, Sean. <laughs> Give it time. And, and again, it's yet another example because you hear this. Oh, let's drink around the world. Yeah, woo, party time. No, be a student. Go around. Okay, so you you're can have- fun at parties. <laughs> <laughs> a bit cantankerous, if you were. Uh, but the but point lovable. is, yes, that's what I hear. Uh, but the point is, but the point is, if it, just like you said, take the time. Yeah. They're, they're 15 minutes. Some are a little bit longer, but that's the one in Mexico where it's just a flat out party. 25 yeah, and, minutes. And, and, yeah. and, you can, and, and it does. It gets to the children dressing as angels, and, and I love it. And if, if you only see one or two, it's okay, but you almost owe it. To not just the people who put on that, but the culture itself, to fully appreciate the holiday. You're there to celebrate the holidays. Well, there may be people from those countries there celebrating too. What are your favorite traditions when it comes to the holiday season and Disney? Email us at podcast at the Hyperion Hub.com. Once again, you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Hub Hyperion. Wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review so more people find the show. Sean John, until next year, do you have any messages for our wonderful audience? Thanks for joining us this past year. Look forward to seeing you in the next year with some other great guests and a more witty banter. What show is he listening to? <laughs> no, I, 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 I want to echo those, but at the same time, thank you guys. You know, we kid, we joke. But this is almost therapeutic, and I hope that our listener feels the same way. And sometimes we just need to vent about good or bad about listeners. the Listeners. I think we Plural. doubled this year. Listen, yeah. listeners. Are we, are we up to two? I think we You said doubled. I hope the listener. Yes, yeah, he, he knows what he's saying. Okay. <laughs> I stand by my comments. Moving on. John? But please download. We do Please, have... <laughs> we need listeners. For we, the love of all that's holy. We do have one more show for the year. And it is our look back on the entire year with all of our guests. And we will have some comedy in there, I'm sure, as well. Maybe some of our Ooh, lesser old, fine old statement. Well, <laughs> moments. Um, so, yeah, make sure you check us out one more time before we move into 2023. So until next week, have a great one, everybody. We're glad you could join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email or send us a recorded audio message at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. Find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Hyperion Hub is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its subsidiaries. We'll meet you next time at the Hyperion Hub. <laughs>